0: Partially
1: excited. Excited
0: for you
1: partially hello welcome on today's episode of partially excited we got dr mary helen hensley she is a chiropractor an author and a mom hello welcome to the show mary helen how are you doing today
2: Hey, Aaron. How are you?
1: Pretty good. Tell us about how you got into the world of spirituality.
2: Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> well, I think I was born into it. Gosh, uh, from the time I can remember, it's always been an interesting part of of my life. I was born the daughter of a Southern Baptist minister, and you know, so had a, a very clear cut. Uh, set of rules and outlines as far as my religious background went uh, when growing up, but some interesting things happened when I was was younger. And uh, one of those being that my mother, when she was pregnant with me, was told during the pregnancy that because she had contracted German measles, that I wasn't going to be okay. And so my parents had been given that news. I was the, the youngest of four. And so they were told to prepare themselves for any number of difficulties, uh, physical challenges, um, intellectual disabilities and during this time my father the minister gets this visit and he describes it as a celestial visit so there was he didn't say angels he said celestial which so some kind of being unbeknownst to him came and says to him that not only was I going to be okay but that I was going to be a little bit unusual So my father hung tight to this, and so from the time I was very small, he always told me that I was promised, promised in reference to the fact that he had been told during the pregnancy that everything was going to be okay, and in fact, when I was born, I didn't have any of the expected outcomes that they had been preparing for, and from then on, I was saying things and doing things that were a little bit strange, as in talking a lot about my mother's father who had been a surgeon in Kentucky in the States and the only thing was that he had been dead since I was one and so I was having these very clear conversations and he was telling me things and I'd go in and report this to my parents and they'd look at each other and finally they sit me down one day and they said, uh, my father in this big deep southern accent, Sugar do you realize the difference between what it means to be alive and dead? And I said, I don't know. And so they went on to explain to me that my grandfather judge had had in fact died when I was very small and so thus began our very interesting journey into my spirituality because this was something that was very real for me it was out of their box but something they had to accept because it was happening so frequently and then came the the dreams where I dreamed somebody was going to die and sure enough they would or my dogs or um or whatever and so spirituality and that aspect of me outside of me, the physical, has really been a part of my life for all of my life. You know, it, it went on into my older years where I was in a car accident when I was 21 in 1991, and I was hit 75 miles per hour and broke my neck and uh, had an, a, a near-death experience where I spent, um, I don't know how long the time was, but it was quite a memorable time. In that experience of leaving the body, I came back with very clear visuals and memories of, of what had taken place. It wasn't just all kind of love and light. It was it was very um, concrete for me with many facts and details, and I came back a different person. So th- that was when my, my real transformation took place, and that was kind of what set me down the road professionally into spirituality, and it's, it was a chiropractor who kind of got me moving again after all of that trauma. And some things that had been said to me while I was out of the body, as in I was gonna come back in with some different healing abilities and some new items in my repertoire. Sure enough, that's what happened. The minute I got back in, I suddenly find myself able to touch another human being and download their hard drive and reading their biography to find out what was wrong in their biology. And chiropractic was the vehicle that allowed me to have the words to express what was happening in the body Um, I practiced for many years I stopped in in 2012 and you have been writing books since 2007 and so yeah that's it in a nutshell (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, it must have been interesting and how did it feel to go from you know not having these gifts to having these gifts you know
2: yeah it wasn't so unusual just because I, I think I'd grown up with that whole part of my reality which was being able to see people when they were deceased and to be able to have the dreams and know that they were going to happen afterwards. There was some part of me that knew I was tapping kind of into a, a a psychic worldwide web um, that I was accessing information outside of myself, which helps me gain a a deep understanding that there really isn't anything outside of myself, that we're all one and we're all operating on the same grid. We're all just different different points on the same beam of light if you like
1: it must have took you a, a while for your mind body spirit to adjust from the car crash to now
2: yeah it did you know it took a while and, and of course then as the as the gifts became more profound and as i began to integrate what it meant to have that particular gift and how i could use that to assist another human being um you know you literally you're you're moving from a a a me to a we state of mind. And that's what's, that's what's most poignant to me about the entire experience is that, you know, you're, you're kind of trucking through life and you're like, okay, where am I going to college? Who am I going to marry? What am I doing? It's me, 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 me. How am I going to create my happiness? And how am I going to serve me? And how am I going to feel secure about me in supporting myself? And then suddenly you find that. Every waking moment of your life becomes a we experience. Everything that you touch, everything that you do, everything that you contemplate runs through a new filter, and it's that filter of we. It's that total knowing of belonging to this amazing, intricate grid, and that everything that's happening in the human body is a miracle, that that body is only a vehicle, and how much clout we've placed on the vehicle, and how concerned we are with what the vehicle can do, and how it looks, and how we feel inside of it and all of a sudden you're realizing that everything around you is simply just a projection of that and everything is offering an opportunity or a lesson for you to better know yourself because in knowing yourself you recognize and become closer to that realization that you're not separate from anybody. Race, color, creed um, simply makes no difference, that we're we're all paddling the same boat. Do you think it takes
1: a lot of work to get to that point from me to we?
2: For some people, yes. And for other people, um, no. And I have seen, I've seen it work both ways where people have done deep and meaningful work over a long period of time where they have worked towards that realization. And I've also seen it happen for people in an, where something switched on, the light bulb just went click and they could no longer be the same. It's kind of like, you know, swallowing the red pill.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've heard and read that you look at yourself as a janitor when you see the polish the the dirty windows the polished windows in the person how does it feel
2: well it feels like an obligation and and one i'm i'm very willing to to have it's it's kind of like you know when you've had these experiences and when you've when you've been so fortunate to have that veil lifted and have your your vision whether that's a you know external vision or your internal vision more importantly when that, when that has been restored to this place of understanding how this place actually works, you know, you look at somebody and you go, all right, how can I empower you with this same feeling? For me, in, in my work as a healer um, in, and in my work as an author and a speaker, it's not about, oh, here, let me go tell you these fantastic stories about myself and, and how wonderful I am and these gifts that I have. I'm, you know, back again to the me, me, me. It's all about how can I show you via my experiences that we all possess this ability. And what I'm spending my life trying to do is teach people that they can access these same feelings without having to die first.
1: It's interesting how death showed you this this knowledge and and presented you with these set of skills to help people progress in their experiences.
2: Absolutely, best thing that ever happened, me
1: dying. (laughs) (laughs) It's a pity you just can not die and have them instead, you know?
2: Well, that's what I'm working on. That's what I'm trying to, uh, to show people. So I've watched, you know, my own work has evolved over, you know, the last 27 years since that accident. And, you know, I'm still learning. I'm still growing. And, you know, just recently in the last couple of years, I, I, I began to notice this frustration building inside of me where, you know, someone would come to me for a healing session and they may have, let's say cancer or whatever. And I know that I'm I have the capacity to channel this energy through my body ever since this accident that can assist their body in healing. But what was was interesting, though, is that I found people were coming to me who didn't have that understanding and that I found that I could potentially be disempowering them rather than the goal that I had thought I was trying to accomplish, which was – empowering them so the work is evolved towards being able to utilize these frequencies that I was able to access when out of the body bring them into a tangible spin, you know in the 3D here and teach people how to use utilize these frequencies in order to help themselves heal because what we really lack as as a people is discipline It's very easy to point the finger to blame or to go, you know, into the victim mode and go, well, that's great for you. You have this. This happened to you. And so, you know, you possess this particular ability. We all have access to these things. What we all don't have is the discipline to put them into practice every single day. You want to be a good rower? You row, Aaron. You practice every single day. You wanna be a great singer, you sing every single day. You wanna learn how to use frequencies to heal your own body, you use them every single day. And this was the piece, the piece of the puzzle that was, was missing for me. And so my work has, has moved more towards teaching people how to fish rather than giving them the fish. And um, I get it, you know, and now I really, really get it. But I had to go through that process to see that because I had to see the successes and the failures equally and failure as experience, you know, where somebody could come in with a particular disease process. We channel that energy through and they walk out healed. But I also equally had to experience the people who would come in with a particular disease process and we channel that energy through and then they would return back to the exact same behaviors that had gotten them into me in the first place. And what I began to see was that lack of discipline and that and that they didn't have something they could use in their own daily lives in order to maintain this way of being. And that's what it's all about. It's all about the frequency of of being alive and well in a human body.
1: Why do you think frequency is so important?
2: Because that's all there is. So, you know, you you die and you leave the body, you know, you you wake up on the other side freshly dead and all you see, hear, feel is vibration and light. That's all we are, is we're various forms of vibration and light sped up and slowed down. And when you learn that and when you really can accept that about yourself and you know that that's how this world operates, then you become suddenly the master of your own ship you're creating or you're you're recognizing that you're actually creating as you go along you always were but some of us are consciously creating and some of us are creating and having negative experiences or or difficult challenges um, not realizing that we're actually bringing those in upon ourselves that we're calling those in by our by our sheer thought process and what is a thought what is a memory only a vibration
1: are there particular frequencies people are naturally tapping into or
2: not? Uh, well, the frequencies I'm teaching people to tap into are, are quite specific, yes. You know, there's hertz we use here on this plane, and so when you are able to access specific hertz and set an intention with that, and to me the intention is even more important than the actual hertz of the frequency. In my ideal world, in my ideal mind, you could sit somebody down with any frequency, to be honest, and you could channel intention into that and you could do anything but we like structure we're a people who love structure and so i give a structured set of frequencies for people to work on different things in their lives and then they have to develop a disciplinary pattern within themselves and they you know they they're letting nobody else down but themselves if they choose not to do it and then when they come back in and go oh well that didn't work for me did you do A daily intention with this frequency? And the answer, nine times out of 10 is no. Um, And people desperately say they want to be healed and that they want to do this and that. But when it comes down to actually doing, you know, putting the elbow grease behind it, most of us are quite lazy. And these are even people who are, you know, in critical situations, either with their emotional or mental health or their physical health. It's taking a long time for us to break out of that kind of outside-in approach, that more mechanistic approach to life, because we've been so conditioned. And, you know, media has been wonderful at creating creating that whole outside-in approach, that the answer to your happiness or the way you're going to feel best is from an outside-in. Let's do it now. It's instant. There's no work involved. Here, let me give you this, and you're going to become this. Or you're hungry right now? Pull in the drive-in. It only takes 30 seconds. And, you know, everything that we do is, you know, fix it with a pill. Um, let's, let's don't bother about looking at the, the emotional undertone or the life experience that accompanied the trauma that you're feeling. Let's just do something to get rid of it right now. And so this has really been a disservice to humanity. And so we're trying to, you know, pick people up out of the ashes of that and, and rise them up like the phoenix and, and teach them that you've been disempowered, but you can reclaim that power again.
1: It's fascinating how that that it's like we're asleep and lazy, but yes, we have the tools to empower our abilities to become superhuman in some way.
2: Absolutely, they're they're right there in front of us.
1: Does that frustrate you in any way when you see that?
2: It has, yeah. You know, I like anyone, even though I've had this phenomenal exposure to what we are outside of the human body, and twenty seven years of miracles and interactions into other people's stories. Um, I'm still human, and so yeah, there are periods where I get frustrated, and you know, I, what I have to do is just the same thing I'd say to one of my children when they get frustrated, sit down, sunshine and take a deep breath, remember why you're here, and remember the whole reason that you chose to come back here and assist people is because they didn't know. So stop, you know, it's the same the logic as getting angry at a, a, a junior infant who can't do an algebra equation. Why would you get mad at somebody when they actually don't yet possess the knowledge of how to operate the tools? You know, that's what you signed up for. So, you know, get over yourself, get your ego out of the way, stop you know, stop the pity party and get on with the work. So, yeah, I have, I have moments of that, but they're they're short-lived. Thank God. When I do, sometimes, usually when those things happen, I know I need a rest um, that I've become you know, I'm I'm literally on a daily basis interacting with people and their stories. And um, when this is something that you do for a living, you forget that, you know, you're moving from one person to the next. And, you know, the, the person before you might have experienced having to escape East Berlin and at a time when in doing so they could have been shot and the trauma that went with this and the, the fear they felt with taking their young children across the line. And two hours later, you're dealing with somebody who has a brain tumor. I have a bad habit of kind of forgetting to sit down and allow myself to process that information. And so, you know, sometimes my body will do that for me. I'll get a good old dose of the flu or I'll get something that'll knock me off my feet for a few days where I have to stop and go, oh, hang on, you need to swallow um, the the enormity of what you've just worked with and you need to deal with the emotional impact that has on you as a fellow human being. So yeah, there's some frustration involved, but it's far outweighed by the absolute joy and gratitude that I have for what I'm able to do. So you just described your,
1: your day. Do you get sucked into the story after the, the person's left you or do you have a, a mechanism or a way to declutter yourself for the next individual?
2: I actually, I, I use frequency. So the, the frequency of 528 hertz, um, which we call the miracle frequency. And, you know, we, we I use this one when teaching someone to resonate with their actual human DNA so when they're dealing with something that's physical you know a major disease process or in turn it works almost like a a vibrational stage it's um, it's wonderful for clearing a space you know now in my world and I know you've had experience with uh, what we would call entities or or other energies outside of ourselves that can sometimes um, create havoc in our lives and it's you know kind of some lower order disorganized energies floating around because that's again we're all energy and light on some various form and so when you're trekking through this world sometimes it's like stepping in dog poo and it's on your shoe and then you track it into the house and up the stairs and when we're interacting with all these different energies the last thing we really think of is cleaning ourselves off and 528 hertz can work like an energetic sage it can clear a house a space and a person and it's so funny like if your hands got dirty right now aaron you would before you did anything else you would go wash them on our daily interactions with other people's energies with energies around from you know electromagnetic frequencies from cell phones from laptops from toxic individuals all of these things it adds up but how many people do you know who actually have the discipline to actually go clear themselves off at the end of the day Most people don't do that, but you wouldn't dream about wearing dirty shoes through the house or you wouldn't dream of wearing or or not washing your hands if your hands were filthy and then go and and touching something. Yet our energy fields just suck it in and suck it up and we get so full, kind of like a sponge that is so full of water that it starts to leak. We we begin to leak in other areas of our lives and this is when somebody hasn't been introduced to that discipline of of clearing the self off. Some people do this through meditation able to access different frequencies and in sitting in a quiet space and just being and in just being and in allowing themselves to raise their vibration they're actually shedding what has stuck to them throughout the course of the day and this is why meditation is such a powerful tool for, for people
1: um you wrote two books promised by heaven and uh life after death uh tell us about how you got into writing
2: um actually i've written eight books The first one, which was called Promised initially, um, when my two girls were born and they both started showing signs of having some um, unusual abilities, the same as I had as a child. Well, you know, I had a mom and dad who were, uh, my dad was a minister. And so all that he had to offer me was what was within the box of Christianity. And so when my kids came along, I wanted to be sure that they had something else. That they had tangible stories, written stories of experiences of my lifetime that they could apply to their own and realize, oh hang on, this is actually pretty cool. This doesn't make me weird, this doesn't make me strange, this makes me unique. And the fact that this is part of my natural ability is something that I want to learn and I want to embrace and I want to grow with. And so really, the first book, Promised, was written as a manual for my children. And then this evolved into more because people enjoyed this book. And so next came Circles of Light. And after Circles of Light came the land beyond the river. After that, I had a story that I used to tell my girls when they were small at nighttime because I was trying to introduce to them the concept of how important it was to clear this energy off at the end of each day. So I was trying to teach them that discipline. And so I had a little story called the Chakra Fairies. And so, of course, Chakra being different energy systems in the body that represent different things that interact with our physical, emotional, and spiritual being. I wanted them to have a story at night where I could bring these little fairies in, and each fairy was very colorful, representing each different chakra, and the fairy would come in and it would take away anything that was left over from the course of their day. So let's say somebody had said something mean to them at school, and this had reflected, you know, in the third chakra in their self-esteem, their self-worth, their self-value. And the little fairy would come in and and teach them that they're perfectly perfect just the way that they are, and that that external judgment was nothing but somebody else's observation or opinion, and that did not define who they were. And that little fairy would come in and carry that off, and so we'd work our way all through the chakras. And so I ended up writing the book, a children's book, called The Chakra Fairy, so that other people could use this tool with their kids. And you know, I get so many reports still to this day, and that book's been out for many years now, of people who have read this with their children every single night. And so what it does is it plants that seed. And does somebody have to understand or believe in the chakras or fairies or anything like that? No, it's a discipline. It's a child's tool. It's like Santa Claus in the gift of giving. The, you know, is is there that physical man in the red suit? Well, some say there is and some say they're not. It doesn't matter. What it teaches is the gift of giving the gift of giving with an open heart. And so this is what the Shocker Fairies was, was meant to do with the children. And um, after that, and my father died in 2012, and he was quite a remarkable man. Um, I mentioned before that he was a minister. He was also an American football coach. He was a very big man. He had an, an extremely powerful physical presence. Like he's the kind where you turn your head and look when you walked into a ring. And he was an extraordinarily disciplined man in his physical body. He was a world champion, bodybuilder, weightlifter, winning the world title for bench press for men over 50 at the age of 69. I mean, he was just a force to be reckoned with. He was something else. He was extraordinarily disciplined in his exercise regime, his diet, his commitment to his faith. He was just, he was a neat guy, powerful. And a lot of people were kind of on edge or afraid when he came into the room, but um, I had a a great relationship and I learned a lot from him as a human being and not just as a father. And so my father also in his discipline, he was an avid reader. He was a fantastic public speaker. He had a little prayer book that throughout my entire life was always there right next to his bed. And there was a book by a man called Bailey and it was set out in a, a series of morning and evening prayers. And there was on the opposite page a blank page for you to write in your own thoughts and ideas. And so he had this prayer book and he had written over the years all of these things in the blank pages. And so when I was 14, he gave me that book and I have it to this day. But I started going through and reading again, because it was something I read every day, looking at a different from a a writer's eye and looking at some of these things. And I went, wow, these are phenomenal. You know, these could really help a lot of people. So I created the next book, which was called The Pocket Coach. And the pocket coach um, would take people through a morning and evening meditation. And because my father was a, a great sportsman, a lot of these metaphors were sports, which people could really relate to. So I, I did that same concept where it takes someone through the course of a month, and there's one of my dad's sayings for the morning meditation and one in the evening, and the blank page on the other side. So someone could do this with their own children. That They could, they could read this and they could put their own thoughts in. And it's a wonderful gift to give to a child, you know, like if you kept that and when your child graduates or whatever, you hand them this book and they have that piece of you forever then. And that was one of the things I treasured so much about my father gifting me with this book. And so I wanted other people to be able to experience that same thing. And then after that, my dearest friend, Patricia Scanlon, who is an author here in Ireland, and she's, you know, has multiple, 21 bestsellers at this stage, I think, in fiction. But she has a, a beautiful way of bringing real life, Scenarios into her fictional characters in a way that really transforms people. And she and I became really good friends, I guess it was right back in 2012 when my father died. And she got hold of my first three books. One day I get a phone call and she says, "Uh, are you sitting down? And I said, yeah. And she said, I hope you don't mind, but I sent your books to Simon & Schuster. You know, which of course is one of the most major publishing companies in America. And I went, oh. And she said, yeah, and they're taking them. And I went, What? So thus was born Promised by Heaven, which became an edited version of those first three books. So it became then the next book, Promised by Heaven, which is written in three sections. So it's promised circles of light and land beyond the river in a format that flows from from the three books now into one. And then just this past September, Trisha, myself, an angel healer called Aiden Story here in Ireland, and then another healer who's in England called Pamela Young, We co-authored a book called Bringing Death to Life. The object of this was to use all of our different backgrounds and our stories and our personal experiences about death and to bring it into a a format that could assist people through everything from the grieving process to the practicalities of a will, to um, signs from loved ones who have passed, to death of pets, to answering the big questions that plague people about, you know, what about a baby? What happens when a baby is aborted? And what happens when, a pet dies, or what happens in genocide? What, ha- you know? And we attempted to answer from each of our, our viewpoints some of the big pressing questions that really puzzle people, or or bother them, or create fear. And so that book came out in September here in Ireland, and it will it will launch on the sixth of April in the UK, and then off to America. So, yeah, it's been um, yeah, it's been a trip. <laughs> <laughs>
1: What inspires you to produce and write all these amazing books?
2: Well, that, like I said before, it was the the, it all started with that first book, which was to be a a manual for my own children, and then it grew from there.
1: And I know your children have grown up, and they're they're a point in their life they're about to enter into adulthood, but um, and in life, but do you see those disciplines and teachings into them day by day?
2: Oh, absolutely. I've got one who you know my. 14-year-old she's she's already published a book when she was 10 called The S'mores Adventure and it was, you know, just a little fantasy book um that ends up having a great, you know, moral to the story at the end and for her to to have that kind of understanding to be able to use, you know, a marshmallow, a graham cracker and a piece of chocolate as these superheroes and you know who are fighting the fire and the stick that would be the ones that would roast the marshmallow. And this came with her her first experience of tasting a s'more, which in America is a, a, like a campfire treat where you have a graham cracker, which is like a kind of a sweet cracker and a bar of chocolate and melted roasted marshmallows on top of it. And when she experienced this, she went, this would be great. And she turned these into superheroes and who were always battling the bad fire and the stick. And then in the end, when the stick and the fire get into trouble, these superheroes come to save them. And... It it teaches this great moral of reaching out even to those who have hurt us in the past. And I was like, wow, at 10, she gets this. And then, you know, my 16-year-old, as any teenager who goes through their ups and downs and and deals with, you know, the hormones and the the elements of, of trying to integrate other people's behaviors and their own behaviors and accountability and social media and all, when I see her in a space where she might not feel so fantastic, and there she sits with the earphones listening to the frequencies that that I've created with my business partner in Los Angeles, you know, I'm like, okay, this is, this is getting in there. They're listening. That she would reach for that as opposed to something else, you know, that where somebody might self-medicate or peers might be looking to alcohol or, or smoking weed or doing something to escape the way that they're feeling to watch a 16-year-old reach for frequencies that she knows are gonna bring her into a state with no side effects. That's you know I feel like I'm feel like we're on the right track. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you're doing success there as a as a mom and a healer at the same time. We're trying hard. We're trying hard. I don't know if you can speak about your frequency project, but explain about what it is and and so on
2: couple of years ago and in the height of that frustration that we were talking about before when i was like you know there's got to be another way i've got to be able to give people a tool because what i was finding was people would come in they would feel a certain way when they were in with me it was fantastic amazing wonderful and then they go back into their own lives in the real world and they go flat again and i'm like there's got to be something i can do to change this and so um about that same time um, I do a lot of work at the Edgar Casey A.R.E., the Association for Research and Enlightenment in Virginia Beach in the States. And so a friend of mine called me there and she said, hey, there's a guy who he wrote a, a screenplay about Edgar Casey's life. And he's from Los Angeles and he's actually traveling through Ireland. Would you mind meeting up with him? And I said, sure. And it was one of those instant kismet moments where you're like, oh, there you are. OK, we got work to do you know, it was just an immediate reaction. Well, so he happens to be a sound engineer and a frequency guru. And I start talking to him about what I do and how I do things and kind of went, you know, I have this list of things that I would like to accomplish. And these are the frequencies that I'm using. I want to put them in a a way that people can access them and that they can use them if they choose to do that. They can't say that they didn't have the tools. That they, Whether they choose to, to use them or not, it's not up to me. But that they have access to them, that's what I'm looking for. And I gave this impossible list of things to do, and he did everything. And thus began the Signs Music project. And so Signs, S-I-N-E-S, music.com is the website where all these frequencies are located. It's an ever-growing project. We're currently in production of headphones that look like kind of like the Bose noise-canceling headphones, and we have found a way to actually download the frequencies into the headphones, and there's about 49 hours of play, and the frequencies can be interchanged and downloaded, and, you know, somebody can store what they want onto the headphones. They're able to use the frequencies anywhere at any time without Wi-Fi. This is a really, really fun and exciting project. You know, I was just flying back from Germany the day before yesterday, and. You, the fella in the seat next to me was every little bump he jumped out of his skin he was so anxious he was such a nervous flyer and the frequency for fear which also happens to be the frequency for guilt shame and self-loathing but the frequency for fear is 396 hertz and so what happens in a case like that this guy would wear these headphones he starts he'll feel in the bumps he can feel himself anxious and he pushes the button and click 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 and he's into 396 hertz and it brings him right back down it's like rescue remedy and a frequency it alters the state and the experience for the individual. So again, the five two eight that you know that I would use to work with major disease processes, um, four one seven for people who are completely traumatized by things that have happened to them in their past, and it's you know affecting the way that they're living in present time. You know, there's there's literally a frequency for everything, and when you have conditioned your body and you've taught yourself to integrate these frequencies, your body then triggers immediately when it hears that frequency. And so, you know, neuroscience tells us that it takes three weeks to reprogram the neural pathways in the brain. Well, I I like to look at nature and go, gosh, you know, three weeks is good, but I think 28 days is better because nature says 28 days. A woman's cycle is 28 days. The lunar cycle is 28 days. And I'd rather err on the side of doing an extra week than I would not having done enough. And so in my way of of, of talking about it, I, I teach that it takes 28 days to reprogram a neural pathway. And what that means is, let's say someone who is afraid of dogs, whatever, that they immediately, they see a dog, they hear a dog there. There might not even be a dog in the room, but there's reference made and their body starts to change. And that's because their the, the brain is programmed to react in a certain way to that stimulus. And so you can literally go in by using frequency and that pathway that's been built there, that, you can go start filling in the potholes on that pathway. You can collapse that neural pathway and build a new one so that somebody has a different expectation. So the way this is very useful for people who've been traumatized is fantastic, like with abuse, um, whether it's emotional or physical or sexual abuse. When someone's body goes in, you know, 40 years later, they still go into a panic state if they see a, a shed because that's where they were abused when they were a child. By changing the neural pathways, it doesn't mean the event didn't happen or they, and they don't bring forward the wisdom or the lessons from the event, but it means that that charge that can potentially disrupt or harm them in present time is no longer there. The brain can't actually access the feeling because the neural pathway no longer exists. And that's what we're doing with frequency. It's
1: interesting how the neural pathways become with the frequency is like the algorithm or of the way you see it, Facebook and Google where they're able to take these mathematical formulas and apply it. It sounds like you're doing the exact same with the body.
2: Yeah, and it's repetition. You're teaching the body through intent. And like I said before, the intent is, is equally as important as the frequency. And you're going in and you're saying, you know, this is this is what I'm working on today and this is getting... And even if you're only doing 15 minutes for 15 minutes, you're this part of my life is getting my undivided attention. And not not many of us can say that we give 15 minutes of undivided attention to some aspect of our lives other than, you know, work or Facebook or emails or whatever. But like when we're talking about trying to change or reinvent or heal ourselves, most people don't do that in a day. And so we have run these frequencies in different cycles where, you know, for some people, if they're. Let's say if they're trying to get rid of a, a major disease process where these frequencies can run all night where they can just go to sleep and the body is being reprogrammed and stimulated as they sleep for other ones there's the intention set during the day and there's a 15 minute pure tone frequency that they're focusing on like let's like, today i'm going to work on my liver or today i'm going to work on my eyes and i'm i'm sitting in the, the frequency of 285 hertz which is about rejuvenating my organs and i'm sitting in with the intention of giving my soul Focus to that part of me and I mean like you know it sounds oh gosh that's easy yeah it's easy till you try and do it every single day ask anyone who's ever tried a diet We all have these great intentions in the beginning, but then the intentions go out the window. Therefore, so does the discipline.
1: Does it matter if it's on the speaker or headphones?
2: Obviously, headphones are getting, you know, are are going directly in. But in my experience, um, when I'm working with people, I'm using a speaker. That part doesn't seem to have made any difference. Um, The headphones that we've created are are for absolute convenience and, and portability where somebody can take their frequencies with them anywhere they go. The best part of this is that on this, there are also going to be, you know, there could be podcasts like this one. Somebody could take with them hours of a particular type of music they like or whatever. These headphones will carry anything, and you can use them like regular headphones. But they also have that storage chip that allows you to store up to 49 hours of play time of whatever you've put into them. And because it also has the noise cancelling effect as well, it blocks everything else out and you're just sitting in your own solitude with your intention and your frequencies.
1: You must feel really excited to take your life work with frequencies and bring it to a brand
2: new level. Oh, I, it's, it's super exciting because not only is it just the headphones, like we have, you know, we're in the middle of de- developing technology that's going to be going into water systems, that's going to be into greenhouses, that's into creches, into workplaces. And we're trying to take this on a, on a mass scale where it's affecting people in such a positive and, and, and global way that this is, you know, this is the way we're trying to contribute to raising the vibration, not of the planet, because, you know, when people ask about the planet, Oprah Winfrey, when she does super soul Sunday conversations, one of her favorite questions to ask is the earth needs more And then people will give their various, you know, different authors or whatever will give their various answers to this. And I'm like, you know what? The earth doesn't need anything. The earth is perfectly perfect the way it is. It's we who need the frequency change. People who get so caught up in the idea, oh, God, we've destroyed the earth. The the earth will will shake us off long before we can destroy it. Don't you you worry. It's done it many times in the past. It'll do it again. It's we who need to raise our vibrations. The, The vibration of the earth school, the way that it works, it's perfectly perfect the way that it is. It's here providing. It's dichotomy of dark and light. It's, it's resonating at a frequency that, it, that can accommodate our soul's changing vibration to come into human form to experience life in this plane. The earth school itself, what does earth need? Nothing. We need to raise our frequencies to better understand the world around us. When we become more conscious, then we, we become more caring. We become more careful we become more loving. We be- we become more united.
1: It sounds like a pyramid effect, you know, from the bottom up, which is k- kind of interesting that people would assume the opposite, down, up, you know, instead of up, down.
2: Absolutely. You know, it's that, it's that same mechanistic outside-in approach as opposed to as above, so below, as within, so without.
1: Is there any other things you've noticed working with the frequencies throughout the years except what you just explained?
2: It's the power of the power of repetition, the power of discipline, the power of the power of empowering somebody else. It's kind of like, you know, there's so much cancer in the world at the moment. And when you look at that and, and you, you know, you'll talk to this guy who has this particular cure and then this guy over here who does cannabis oil and then this person here who's chosen chemo and then this person here who has used Essiac you know, and they all have these different feelings and remedies about how you can get rid of cancer guess what all of them work they don't work on everyone because everyone isn't in that space to use that particular tool but each of those tools on some level work so you know I've healed myself from cancer with SEACT and with frequency I know people who have come from terminal to perfectly whole again using cannabis oil I know people who have managed to survive the damaging effects of chemo and radiation and come out the other side of cancer. There's healing in all of these things. It's where we are on the path and how it fits into our personal stories as to how effective it is with each and every one of us. Frequency is the same thing. Again, it's there, it's a tool, and it's a discipline. Is it the end all, be all? Well, it is everything. It is what we are. But are we willing to utilize it in a way to serve ourselves? Some people aren't in that space. Some people aren't ready for for that kind of commitment to themselves
1: longevity is a hot topic at the moment could someone outlive um or do they have a certain amount of time when they come in and come out of a life
2: we have in my experience from the death experience i've named them portals of exit so we have you know we come in with an agenda we have a, a checklist of things we want to accomplish while we're here and you have different different opportunities or portals of exit where it's kind of like an outclause. You know where we we give ourselves opportunities throughout life to have an out clause there's that near miss or you know that that illness that nearly killed us but didn't um where you get into a situation and there's that part of your spirit that goes no i'm not finished here and other people go yeah i'm ready let me, i'm gonna take that bus i'm done and then there's you know the whole the whole subject of, of suicide the uh either by overwhelm or by soul plan. You know, so there are, there are some who come in and they take their lives because it's what they came in here to do. And that's very hard for some people to hear. And there are others who take their lives because they bit off more than they could chew. They became so overwhelmed and didn't feel like there was any other way out of the pain except for taking their own lives. There are so many different ways to come in and leave this planet. And we create in our souls plans these opportunities of portals of exit. Like I could have stayed dead when I died in in 1991. In that space, I went, ooh, no way, I'm going back in. This is awesome. Now that I've seen who I am, where I actually come from, and I've got no fear, I'm going back in and I'm gonna play this game completely differently. And, And so I have been ever since. I don't like to say anything is concrete or set in stone, um, but we, do, you know, we tend to have patterns where we come in with, a, with an agenda. When we accomplish that agenda, we go. And sometimes the things that you would think are the least likely on purpose events are the ones that are the most on purpose. And just because we can't get our heads around them or don't understand doesn't mean that you know, they're not valid or valuable.
1: Can someone identify that exit plan or is it just naturally happen?
2: some people do some people know you know some people have a knowing you know they're they're very aware you, and you'll hear some people say from an early age i'm not going to make it past 50 there's some part of them that knows that and there, there are some people who would sit around and say I'm, I'm gonna live you know until a very ripe old age and they do and then there are other people that it appears that an accident takes them you know and and robs them of the chance to live but really that's part of the soul's plan yeah so you know it is and it isn't set in stone. I think. I think. Look, I'm at the stage at this stage in life where anything is possible.
1: If you met someone on the street and you didn't know them, and they asked for one piece of advice, what would it be?
2: Oh my! One piece of advice: let yourself off the hook. You know, sit back and enjoy. This is we get so caught up in judging other people and judging ourselves, in in critiquing our performance as good or bad. But you know, that's all part of the dichotomy here. But working towards seeing past the dichotomy, understanding that that pull, that, that resistance, um, some people call it negativity, and I'm just like, you know, it's just an opposing force. Um, that's all part of what, what helps us to grow. You know, when, when the strongest bones that I would see as a chiropractor are those where the muscular strength is, is pulling and constantly creating resistance where the little fibers that insert to the bone, that anchor the muscle to the bone, when they're constantly being challenged, those are the strongest bones. This is why we see osteoporosis in older age because people don't move as much. And so with that resistance, there's growth, there's strength. And so if I could say it to somebody, it's just sit back and enjoy all of it. When you open up the bills, be excited that you have electricity to be paying for in the first place rather than immediately going, oh, my God, how am I going to pay for this? Well, you used it. You know, that was electricity that was there. It was serving you, and now you pay for it. There's always that opposing force, and it's, it's all about the way you approach that. You can approach that from a completely woe is me point of view, or you can go, you know what? This is awesome. I was, you know, after traveling um, to Germany and Poland over the weekend, I'm, I'm sitting here this morning before waiting for you to call, doing my laundry. I was hanging the things on the line and looking at my daughter's socks, going, Wow, my girls are still here. They're with me. They're growing up. How privileged am I to be hanging these socks up because they belong to my kids. This jacket that I'm hanging on the line now, I was wearing that two days ago in Poland, in Poland, being able to look at every aspect of your life is as a gift and to be able to feel in that moment that deep gratitude that is also a discipline we look at the most successful lives those who look and i'm not talking about financial success but the people who are the happiest the most successful lives where they are so grounded and well-rounded it's because they they know how to ride the waves that their state of knowing who they are that 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 personal connection with with who they really are it doesn't alter when a piece of bad news hits them or a bill comes in the door or when a new baby is born or when they get a new job or buy a new car that they're unwavering in that sense of self and when you get into that space through that daily discipline you can handle anything i mean anything and so you know that's what i would say to people is you know sit back and enjoy all of it and let yourselves off the hook You know, you're wasting time judging yourself in the past and things you've done. Well, all the past is is a memory stored in the body. That's all it is. The event that's no longer happening, but the cellular memory of the event can stay stuck in the body. And we can continue to relive the feelings and the experiences of something that's not even taking place anymore. And, you know, we hold ourselves prisoner that way. So if people could learn that discipline of, of gratitude. And I was recently listening to something that I've been in practice since the beginning of the year where they said, every single day, think of three new things. So three new things to be grateful for. And I'm finding such joy in doing this and that I have to go way beyond the three, that once I start, I kind of can't stop. And like, I could be washing the dishes. Well, you know what, I'm, I'm so grateful for looking out at these sheep in those fields out there while I'm washing these dishes. I'm really grateful that I actually have dishes to wash. The little pieces of gratitude, they don't have to be enormous things. These are small things where you're actually taking notice of everything. You're being present in your own life. And by exercising that gratitude, you're changing the actual vibration of your experience with the world around you. Excellent.
1: Mary Helen, I want to say thank you for coming on to the show and sharing what I got share.
2: Thank you so much, Erin. I, I really appreciate what you're doing, sharing this kind of information with people, opening the airwaves and inviting people in to, to the magnificent stories of, of every human being is just, a, it's a wonderful thing that, that you're doing, and I, and I appreciate you for it.
1: Thank you. Fabulous. Yay, we did it, finally! Yeah. <laughs> I'm so Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter.